Hi, welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Yi Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Jun and Tonic blog. On this season of our show, we are diving headfirst into Malaysia's fine dining scene. So throughout the season, we'll be speaking with renowned chefs and industry peers throughout the country to learn about their journey, understand their cooking philosophies, and get an insider's look at the current state of the Malaysian food industry. Our guest for this episode is Eddie Ng, who's the chef and co-founder of Edju Omakase. Edju isn't your typical Japanese omakase spot, as Chef Eddie and his team strives to push the boundaries of the cuisine and educate Malaysians on the intricacies of the omakase experience. All done through his edgy brand of contaminated omakase. So on today's episode, we'll hear about his story, learn the art of aging fish, and get an insider's look at the food industry. So without further ado, here's Eddie Ng. Hi, Eddie. Welcome onto the show. Hi, Jun. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming onto the show today. So, first off, uh, I thought it would be good, especially for those who haven't heard of you before your restaurant, uh, it would be good for you to introduce yourself and your place. Okay, so, well, I'm Eddie. So, basically, I run Edju. I'm co-owner as well. Uh, Edju has actually established since 2018, April. So, we are actually turning four years old by this April. Mm. Uh, it's been a long journey, I have to say. It's been a long journey, and even up to today, we stay pretty low key. I would, I would say so. Yeah, because your your restaurant is at DC Mall, and it's kind of like a a tucked away corner of of DC Mall, and it's very low key. But for people who are in the know, I feel like your place is one of the omakase places that that people have been talking about for the past three four years since since you started. I think um, because when we set off to do the restaurants today, we told ourselves in the very beginning, you know, that the whole idea for the whole restaurant is to educate the market. Uh, when we first started off, we told ourselves, you know, we're going to do something very different. Uh, we're going to try to educate our clientele and the consumer today, whereby um, fish, sushi, sashimi, it doesn't really need to be fresh. And fresh fish doesn't really taste good, to be honest. Mm, yeah, so I went, uh, full disclaimer, I went to your place, what was this, a few weeks ago in early January for my mum's uh, birthday, I brought her there. And yeah, that was, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've i never interacted or, or chatted with you before, but th- that was one of the first things you mentioned to, to us, right? It's like, oh, you know, our fish is not fresh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really funny though. You know, a lot, of, a lot of customers, they came in, they were like, you know, they, they love the food and they'd be like, wow, the sashimi, the fish is very fresh here. Mm. Uh, we, we sort of keep, you know, we sort of keep smiling and you know what, it's actually not fresh. Yeah, that's the perception, that's the perception in, 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 in the market today. Yeah. Mm, I think, I think that's a quite a big like misconception as well, right? It is, it is. Yeah. Tell us more about um, this whole misconception that, that you're trying to break as well. Well, um, uh, basically, I do not, my, throughout my whole career uh, life in, in, uh, in the, for the past 10 years, right? So I've been doing this for 12 years today. Um, I've never worked in Malaysia, so I'm not too sure about the the concept of omakase, the concept of sushi in, in Malaysia, that, that being said. Uh, when I was working in London, we used to age tuna. So all the tuna in, in my previous place has been has to age. So we literally age five days to seven days, and that is a norm to me. That's very normal to me. So when I came back to Malaysia, um, I worked in Nobu KL. That was, a, that was my first uh, restaurant to work in Malaysia. 
um, I found it a bit um, not comfortable with customers coming to say that, you know, if your fish comes on Tuesday and Friday, because I do not want to lie to the customers because we do not serve what comes on Tuesday and Friday. Let's be honest, you know, whatever mm-hmm. is left over, we, we, we have to serve it to the customers, you know, but none of the chefs are literally telling them the truth. And on top of that, even in Japan, most of the proper omakase places, they do not serve you fresh fish. Yeah. So let, let's let's take a very easy uh, explanation. So fish comes out from the sea. The moisture content is very high. So whatever you you, you slice it, you eat it, you, it's not getting 100% uh, fish flavor itself. The flesh itself is not 100%. Uh, the flesh, it's basically contains of the, the, the moisture from the sea. So... The idea to let it rest, we're not even talking about age yet. The, the idea to let it rest for a few days, so to let the water evaporate, to let the moisture, the excess moisture evaporate, you know, um, results in the best tasting fish that you can ever get because you lost whatever not necessary at all mm. in, 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 yeah, throughout the whole, whole, uh, whole process. You know, you, you can just rest a little as three days. You know, it's not going to cost you like, you're not going to die from it. It's not going to cause you food poisoning as long as you keep it in a, in a, in a correct temperature. Mm, yeah. And, so and that like was the a flavor whole... intensifies itself. Exactly. Right? So, you know, people can accept dry aged beef, but when it comes to fish, they want it to be fresh. You are not, we are not eating like Chinese steamed fish, you know, Chinese steamed fish. Yes. That's really that way. You get, the, you get the nice textures and everything. But when it comes to sushi and sashimi, you don't really need that. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and our practice in the restaurant today, we actually developed a few a various way of uh, aging fish, ranging from three days, seven days to two weeks. We have even tried two months as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we it's it's like a try and error. It's like a lot of R and D behind to to really find the right techniques for that particular fish to be aged. Yeah, I would say we 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 done a pretty damn good job. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, I think this is like a common misconception, right? Because this like aging fish is, isn't like a new invention. Like even in Japan, they often like marinate it or, or yeah, even age it a bit in, in Japan. And that's what a lot of people feel in Malaysia. They they want to get like the freshest fish. Like they will ask all these omakase places like, oh, when when is your fish arrive? Like Tuesday? Oh, I want to book on like Tuesday, right? And like like you said, that, that might not be what you get as well. Mm, and, I, and I think that's really cool that that what you're doing. And I think your whole um omakase, like you you call it uh, contaminated omakase, right? Um so is is this like aging process part of the contamination or, or what what other yeah, tell us about other things that you do that contributes to this contaminated omakase as well. All right, so uh, when we first started off the business, right, we, we, we called ourselves modern, we called ourselves contemporary, but uh, we, we, still, we still get customers coming in and ask for, you know, like soy sauce, wasabi on the side, do you serve uh, udon, do you serve soba, you know, things like that in, in the menu. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one and a half years down the road, I decided, no, we, we need something ag. we need something that really stood out and to really um, differentiate ourselves with the rest of the Elmakase today. Um, on first thing first, you know, when it comes to contaminated, means that um, the ideas, it's not original. That means that the ideas are original. It's just that my creativity uh, comes from where, where I train, where I travel, my roots as a Chinese, Malaysian, you know. So those are the things that makes me uh, think of what is the terms that we should use to describe our cuisine today. 
So one thing it's uh, we we do a uh, uh, age fish, which is not common in Malaysia. At the time when we when we first started off in back in two thousand eighteen, it was something new. It was something bizarre. Um, it's something that people talk about and people feel uncomfortable with, basically. Mm. Back then, right. So and then another thing is which is our main point, which is our main ingredients and the most important things throughout the whole kitchen, throughout the whole uh, menu as well, which is uh, the vinegar. If you know like sushi vinegar, mm. most of the places they use um, Japanese vinegar. Mm-hmm. So at some point before I opened the restaurant, so when I decided to open a restaurant, I, I told myself, this restaurant needs to have a sense of belongingness. So I do not want to use um, Japanese vinegar instead. So being a Chinese, what can we use? Vinegar, you can't, you doesn't need a passport on every single vinegar. Vinegar is still vinegar, you know? So mm. I went to Tamantun uh, Pantry, the market. Mm. So I bought every single Chinese black vinegar available on the shelf. So I went back home to do a blind tasting, blind blending as well, to see what works. And that is 100%, we are talking about 100% um, um, Chinese black vinegar. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you tried out all, all the different brands. Can you share like which brand do you land upon in the end? I can. Okay. I mean, like this is nothing to 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 be. Uh, this is no no trade secret anyway. I mean, anyone can use it. If they can blend it to the point where I managed to do it. Uh, it took me about two years to get the 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 right recipe. Oh wow. Yeah, because um, you see, Chinese black vinegar in the market today, they are they are very inconsistent. Um, every single batch, every single bottles, they are not uh properly done that being said some of the bottles are still continue to ferment or continue to you know uh, change the flavor and taste and everything by itself so that's the reason why i need to spend two years um getting it right wow yeah so we actually use the most common uh chinese black vinegar vinegar that every household has if you eat lor mein, you know the the, the yes. malaysian yeah, the lor mein. so you most of the time they, you, they put a bit of a uh, vinegar inside right mm. they call it the Zhechu or a Great War. I think oh, it's Great okay, War, okay. the red color ones, yeah. Ah. Great War vinegar. Yeah, so that that one, that brand itself, and also I blend it with Qingtang, uh, Qingtang black vinegar. vinegar. Yeah. Yes. So those two are super common in every single yeah, household. Yeah, and, yeah. And they are super cheap, right? Mm. So a lot of people say, wow, you, you, you are charging a premium, but you use such a cheap vinegar. I was like, um... It all comes down to the flavor, right? Yeah. Exactly. Ingredient itself doesn't mean that you can put a value on it. It has to be, when you're charging a high price, your vinegar has to be like, you know, 100 ringgit a bottle. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. It, mm. Every single ingredient to me is usable. Every single every single ingredient to me, it's about the application and the usage. As long as you can really, really understand how to use them and bring the best out of the ingredient itself. Yeah. That I would say, yeah, that would make so much sense, right? Yeah, I totally agree, man. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that you do really well as well, like you, you spoke about it in the beginning, is this vein of education that you have at your restaurant, like with the things you do. Like there, there were a few dishes that I had there that um, it's so hard to find like anywhere else. And the way you go mm. about like presenting it to your your guests, um, yeah, it's just like brilliant. Like that uh, seaweed, the slurping seaweed. I, I, I don't know what's the Japanese name for it. Oh, I they got mozuku. Yeah, Mozuku, that was yeah. so good. And, and can, can you describe it to us? Because I, I think I can't do it justice. <laughs> the uh, Mozuku is actually uh, a very a very original, very traditional um, ingredient famously used in uh, Okinawa. 
So it's a type of a seaweed. They are very slimy. They are like a thread. So you can't even bite through it. Uh, my first visit to Japan, I went to uh, the supermarket and yeah, my wife just bought some of the, the, the mozuku back home and I didn't know what is it, you know? So they open up and, and I start stepping it. I was like, wow, that is so damn good. You know, I was like, I, I need to bring this back to Malaysia. Mm. So my cuisine today is sort of uh, looking into all the smaller villages, smaller uh, uh, cities like Okinawa, you know, looking into their regional cooking and, and ingredients. So what you can use with them rather than you focus a lot on the bigger city, whereby I think that's a bit boring already. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think that's like super cool that you're bringing some of these regional dishes that super hard to find in Malaysia like you bringing it over here and and show showing it off yeah I think there's so much to learn uh well it, not just from Japanese cuisine but yeah since that yeah, is your forte there's like really so much there mm. exactly I mean as I say you know these ingredients are just available in the supermarket and we just do not pay attention to it my favorite place to go is actually all the convenience shop and also a supermarket in Japan Mm. yeah because those are the places that you can really see what's it, what is new what is like what is upcoming you know what's the sources what what is the things that people are using right now so those are those are those are the places where i get inspiration from yeah obviously you know you go to the market you go to the fish market you go to the food market that that's uh, that's pretty common as i i would say but uh as a tourist like myself you know i i don't stay there my first stop definitely convenience store Mm. yeah it gives me a lot of it they, they, they literally give me a lot of uh, ideas and inspiration yeah yeah i think it's so cool that you know you get the best inspiration from the humblest of of places man i think sometimes food doesn't really have to be so fancy as long as it tastes good as long as it sort of uh, remind you of something else it you gotta feel homey Right. Mm. So that is that is sort of uh, the way that I cook today. I, I don't really go like over the top. Uh, at some point, I sort of feel, you know, I do not want to uh, focus on uh, luxury ingredients like, you know, caviar, uni, and truffles that much. Yeah. Uh, my, my next step today is to, is to try to cook a piece of radish with just a very good mineral water and that's it. Wow. Yeah, it sounds it sounds so simple, but I'm sure there's like so much complexity and thought that goes into it. Man. Because you, you, you got to understand one thing where when things are so simple, right, you have to really understand to the point where the radish from, um, because radish is throughout the whole season, right? Throughout the whole year, you can get radishes. But uh, during uh, colder months, they get a bit too spicy. Mm. Yeah, so the beauty, that's the beauty part of it. And, and, and I sort of found it very fascinating. Yeah, where simple ingredients that are so humble, it just changes throughout the whole season and it tastes so different. And the chefs with a great hands, you know, they can literally bring out the best of that particular ingredient at that particular season. Mm, yeah, and with such like common ingredients, it's like there's, there's nowhere to hide, right? If you get it right, it's really like, you can really showcase it. But if you get it wrong, then it's immediately noticeable already. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and because I, I think Malaysia today, there's so many, especially there's so many omakase opening uh, this year or past years, right? Um, people are not really focusing on cooking that much already. And they sort of, you know, putting things together, which is fine. You know, I'm not trying to say that they are, they are doing a bad job or whatnot because uh, every single chef, every single uh, restaurateur, they have their own way of doing things. Um, and just that 
at my uh, stage today, I, I, I sort of feel like I need to do a one step ahead and to cook something very, very simple. Yeah. And, and that's about it. Yeah. It, you, you just need to let the ingredients speak for yourself and you'll be like telling yourself, wow, this is the best chicken you ever had. This is the best radish you ever had, you know? Mm. Not talking about the sauces, not talking about what's on top. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's really true as well. Like we see a lot of places nowadays that are uh I guess like serving the demand for certain products. Yeah. Or like yeah, capitalizing we, it, on it. Mm. A lot of people a lot a lot of people they, they, they get the concept wrong, you know. Um you obviously people dine out to get impressed, restaurants have to impress them in terms of services, in terms of food. But sometimes I just felt that you you don't really need to put everything in every single uh, dishes to really impress by using every single dishes to impress you know mm. you could you could really use like you know one or two uh, ingredients just to impress but not like putting too much of the the luxurious uh, uh, ingredients in every single uh, courses that's what i thought mm. yeah, yeah that's what i thought before we continue our conversation we are going to take a quick break Stay with us, you're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Breaking Bread. I've been speaking with Eddie Ng, the executive chef and co-founder of Edju Omakase. We've been hearing about Eddie's cooking philosophy and his culinary experiments in his pursuit of flavour, but now we're turning our focus to the Malaysian F&B industry. Mm, and I think that brings us nicely into um, our conversation about the food industry because that that's the whole topic that we're trying to do for this season of the show um so yeah well i always start with this saying that malaysia's food scene often seem like we're behind compared to our neighbors like singapore and even thailand but as someone who's in the industry yourself how has it been like what are your thoughts or uh, do you have any perspective on the malaysian food and dining scene as a whole and and especially comparing us against other countries in the world um, you know what? When I, when I first came back from London, Malaysia wasn't my first choice to 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 remain staying here. Uh, because I thought it's boring, right? Uh, but thank God I I stayed, and I see the uh, transition as well. Um, when I when when we first opened up uh, at Jew back in twenty eighteen, we were a very few that uh, do something very daring. Um, and 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 set to the point where to 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 educate the markets right, and today you get to I I get to see a lot a lot of restaurants are coming up. Um, my favorites are the Young Pizza. Not too sure if you heard ah, of it. Pizzeria the Young, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like my Sunday spot, you know. Oh my, wow! Every Sunday spot, I go there. Same pizza, same uh, salad by myself, and that's it, because they are really that good, right? So and and what what what's so special about the Young is they. They preserve and, and 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 they think what is good and this is how you should enjoy a piece of pizza, right? Not not with pineapples, not with uh, Tabasco, not with chili flakes, and they don't <laughs> even cut the pizza for you, right? Uh. Yeah. So so that that sort of restaurant it sort of gives me the 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 motivation where Malaysians are actually getting better. 
Right. So it's very few. It's very few, I have to say, but uh, it's coming up nicely. You get a few mm-hmm. uh, uh, chefs are coming back from overseas, you know, like Atelier Binchotan, it's really nice as well. Yeah. Even though they're in Taman Taman Desa, but I love what are they doing, you know, it's a yeah, small little restaurant. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. That's that's. They are another example. Uh, who else? Uh, even though, if you know Sam of Hibiki, yes, yes. So he, Saito, yeah. So he yeah, Saito Sang, yeah. yeah. So Saito Sang himself, he opened up a uh, a casual Japanese eating place in KLCC. Mm. I always go there for every Sunday breakfast. Wow, seems like your Sunday plan is already going to all the all the good restaurants. <laughs> I'm 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 a bit of a, like a boring person to be honest. <laughs> So no, it's it just that I have a routine, right? So I, I, I have to get my, my breakfast fixed every Sunday morning. So it's a piece of grilled fish, a bowl of white rice, and miso soup. And that is the closest thing that can uh, link you back to Japan. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is, it's again, everything is so simple. You don't need fancy, fancy things at all, you know? So those are the restaurants that I, I, I see is opening up and is changing the market slowly whereby people might not even notice, right? But uh, they preserve and they think that this is what they do best and this is what they wanted to do for themselves. And and is it helping the, the, the market? Is it helping the industry? We don't know. We don't know. But as I said, rather than opening a lot more omakase, rather than opening a lot more fine dining, um, those are the things that we are lacking today. And thank God I'm seeing it happening. Mm. So when you say you're you're hopeful for the next like two three years, uh, oh ahead. yes, I'm totally I'm totally hopeful for that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing a great uh, opportunity for Malaysia, uh, even though Aka Dining in Tamantun, mm-hmm. yeah. Aiden Aiden is doing a perfect job. It's super super a very good job for this uh, young 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 guy over there in Tamantun. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's super exciting. Yeah, there are so many like young chefs coming up. Mm. No, Aiden is just crazy. He's nuts. <laughs> he, he no, I mean like I know Aiden, so because he used to work for me and whatnot, right? But uh, uh, this guy is just nuts because he what he wanted to do is just cooked, and whatever he do, it's so uh, new to me, whereby mm. it's not just like following the books and everything. So he always challenge himself. He always look into a, a lot of possibilities and whatnot. So again, and these are the players that we 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 you know we would love to see them grow. The, the scene mm-hmm. together in Malaysia. Obviously, you have the big, bigger guys like Darren Chin. You know, he's doing a perfect job, very nice job as well. Uh, um, sort of like creating the, the fine dining scene since the very early stage. You know, um, obviously, they are the OG. Mm. But what can, what can we as a younger uh, generation bring to the, to the industry, right? Yeah, and you always need a good mix. Yeah, to stay, we, always, we definitely need a very good mix, you know. To say that, we, are we far behind... Uh, compared to Singapore and, and, and Thailand, I think I wouldn't say that we are there yet, but I do believe that we will get there one day mm. with the with the progressions that I'm seeing today. Obviously, you know, COVID slow is down and everything. But uh, thanks to COVID as well, people are spending back into the country. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing a lot. Mm. Yeah, you get to see like, you know, restaurants are full every day, right? People are like you know, I'm making I'm making this much. I'm doing a lot better. You know, even during COVID as well, my my business is thriving because people get stuck in Malaysia. They they wanted to spend in Malaysia, and with this sort of uh, uh, limitation, I believe that the consumers are putting a lot more attention back into the country today. 
which is very good. Right. Yeah, yeah. You've painted a very hopeful scene, which which I am also very hopeful and like excited to see as well. And yeah, how about for you personally? What's in uh twenty twenty two and and beyond for you? Any any big plans? We are opening a new restaurant uh, in downtown KL. Uh, ah. Yeah, so this will be something super exciting for us, super exciting for the for the for the industry as well. We hope, uh, because I never believe in copy and paste. So whereby every single restaurant that I I, I would do or or I'm doing, it's always something that continuously challenging myself to the point where I don't even know what I'm going to serve yet. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's that's how crazy it is. Yeah, uh, I think I think running a restaurant is tough, but you gotta keep it fun. Yeah, so so the way that to keep us, you know, having fun is to not to know too many things. You know, you do you don't know what you're gonna serve. You don't know you don't know anything basically, right? <laughs> that's a fun part of it. But obviously, we know what's the concept like. Uh, we're gonna do a grill focused restaurant. Mm. Yeah, we're gonna do a grill focused restaurant. Um, we have bigger capacity. Uh, talking about fifty seaters, and I love, I super love the the whole layout of the of the restaurants because it's so uh, cozy. You get a three different um, corners all by yourself. Nice. Yeah. So those are those are the ideas behind the whole design today. And yeah, and, and you, you know, I think it's something definitely looking forward. Everybody should look forward to to to, to the project. If you ask me, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Where Where is it gonna be, and and when do you plan on opening it? It's gonna be inside uh Star Hill Gallery. Ah, got it. Yeah, so it's inside Star Hill Gallery, uh, looking to open right after Chinese New Year, somewhere between uh, late February or early March. Oh, that's really soon. That's, that's really, soon. really soon. That's really soon. Yeah. So. Wow, and and I think it's so it's so bold of you to not know yet like what exactly you're you're gonna serve. Yeah, I think that's super exciting. <laughs> no, because, I mean, I mean, like, uh, I, I, I worked in London in a grill restaurant before. So, uh, the, the, I love grill. You know, my first job in, in as a chef was actually a grill. I, mm. I, I was a yakitori chef. I'm not even a, a sushi chef to begin with, right? Right. So, grill is something that I, I always wanted to do, uh, whereby opportunity came and we thought, okay, we're going to open a new restaurant. What is it going to be? And, yeah, why don't we just do a grill then? No open grill, okay. Uh, what can we do with the grill? We we, we even we even uh, getting a dry ager as well. So not too sure what what, what we're gonna dry age. Most most likely fish, most likely meat. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Mm. So wow. yeah, exciting. It's stuff, gonna be right? something very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that, and I will definitely pop by at some point. Oh, you should. You should. Yeah. Just as a a final question. Um. Yeah. Do you have any any message or any advice you wish to impart onto the uh, Malaysian public or the Malaysian eater? Malaysian public or the Malaysian eater? Spend in Malaysia. Don't spend anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think this is this is actually the right opportunity for everyone to look into. You know the local talents and 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 trying to appreciate what are they trying to do for the market in Malaysia. Uh, obviously that they are still young, they are still trying out, but there are a few very potential ones. And with everyone's support, I think you know you eventually you'll get there. We open restaurant before we you know any new new restaurants would not get ready when it first opened. It, it sort of needs some time to curate. It sort of needs some time to mature. You know throughout the whole journey, right? Yeah, so so give them some time, you know, support them in in, in a bit, in a way that we as we could and end of the day we can't get out from Malaysia anyway. So why don't just 
go around and then find all the small little restaurants and and just support them. Yeah, yeah. Coming from a, a consumer point of view, right? Yeah, and as a restauranter, I think to really build the industry today, uh, to me, it's always a combined effort. It's not one sided. You can't. You can't. It's never a one sided thing. Yeah. So it's always a combined effort. Uh. Uh. In the industry where every single person putting their effort, putting their game, um, to really build this industry, and to the point where people will pay attention to Malaysia and people from Singapore would literally travel, and comes in, and to eat in Malaysia. You know. Mm, yeah. So yeah. that that that's something that I hope, and that's something that I'm seeing that would sort of uh, happening right now slowly but surely mm. yeah that's a i think that's a great message we we totally need to uplift and champion our own local industry mm-hmm. rather than you know rather than criticizing them you you gotta give them some time you know i'm 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 young but i'm not that young as well i'm 35 this year right so i've been running restaurant for four years i'm still considered a very young age to run restaurant a lot to learn but it's a very fun journey. It's a very uh, a challenging journey, especially, you know, for the past two years. Um, but as I said, with the support that we have from the from the customers, you know, that's all we need, to be honest. That's all we need. And we will, we will sort of feel it and we will sort of appreciate it and to get better at what we do. Mm. Yeah, that's a promise from, from, from a restaurant, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great, great mindset to have. Mm. And with that, we've uh, come to the end of our conversation. And just for those who haven't been to your restaurant, uh, can you tell us where people can find it and, and where people can keep up to date with all that you and your restaurant do? Okay, so uh, Aju is located in Damansara City Mall, which is uh, next, right next to um, Sopitel Damansara. That is exactly where we located at. So you can just drop off uh, by the valley. Or you can just park right inside the uh, the car park of uh, the DC mall itself. Mm. Yeah, you're right in the, the Damansara Heights. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. And and we'll totally look out for your new restaurant at the Star Hill Gallery as well. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Just want to thank you so much again for coming onto our show today. And really, I've had like a, a really cool and fun conversation with you, Eddie. Thank you. Same here. Thanks for having me. That is all for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or on the BFM app. And if you're hungry for more food news and fun recipes, you can keep up to date with me on Instagram. I'm at Jun and Tonic. That's J-U-N dot A-N-D dot T-O-N-I-C. This is Jun signing off. You've been listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9.